Bring me my pistol, three rounds of ball. I'm gonna kill everybody walking Welcome to Bedlam Bodies and the Bazaar, where we have a passion for the unknown and a desire for truth. I am Jennifer with my co-host, as always, Brittany. Hello. Join us on our adventures into the mysterious, macabre, and monstrous. Today's show is about our favorite true crime cases. Uh, But first, our missing person segment. We are talking about Emily Reisling. Uh, who is a member of the Yurok tribe, Yurok, Hoopa Valley, and Carewood tribes, along with the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office, are collaborating on her search. She is 32 years old, five foot two, weighs 140 pounds, short brown hair, brown eyes. If you know anything about Emily, please contact the Hoopa Tribal Police Dispatch, which is 530. 530- Six two five four two zero two, and Brittany, you said you found this where through I think it's pronounced Namus N A M U S Namus dot N I J dot O J P dot gov missing recently, just a couple weeks ago, October fourteenth, twenty twenty one. So she just literally disappeared like she was there one day and gone the next there doesn't at least according to the article that we have there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of information other than they are you know it's really interesting because the search and rescue if you will the Yurok tribe is working with local police departments the, the DNR department of natural resources, forestry, and roads departments of the tribe. It's really interesting. I will let you know that Emily has kids. She is a mom. So, of course, we want to make sure she gets home safely to her kiddos. So there you go, everybody. Keep an eye out for Emily Reisling. Again, call the Hoopa Tribal Police, 530-625-4202. So our favorite true crime cases, and actually, Brittany, you and I talk about these in general, (laughs) because this is our show and our passion, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that are also familiar with these cases, because I kind of picked some big ones. The Staircase case, or the Staircase, aka Michael Peterson, he spent about eight years behind bars. You might, this might be ringing a bell if you're listening, because... It's a, it, it was a pretty interesting case. There were allegations of homosexual infidelity, that he may or may not have killed someone before this. They thought maybe he killed her for uh, a book. He's, a, he's an author. Then there was the owl theory. A lot of bells just went off for a lot of people. So the short version, if you didn't see it on 2020 or Dateline or any of those other shows, uh, Michael Peterson and his wife are drinking by the pool at the wee hours, midnight, one, two, whatever. He comes in, finds her at the bottom of the staircase. He claims she fell down the stairs because she had been drinking and she takes value before she goes to sleep. No one in the criminal justice system or the court of public opinion agreed with him. And as I said, he spent about eight-ish years uh, behind bars. So this is all very, this case is very interesting to me and and maybe when I get to heaven I'll say can you tell me the truth what happened he had Dr. Henry Lee testify on his behalf for his team which if you're unfamiliar with Dr. Henry Lee is a huge name in forensics he had his own show for a little bit he is just the king of forensic evidence and so to have him testify for a defendant is not only rare, it's very impressive. And I told Brittany many a time, if I die in a weird way, there are two people I want on my case, Dr. Henry Lee and Lieutenant Joe Kinda. Just saying. <laughs> so yeah. that's really impressive to have him do defense work. He almost never does it. So that to me is like, what's the opposite of red flag? Like this is a huge deal. So the other thing 
and I, I wish I had more time to delve into this and maybe I will one day, I don't know. But the medical examiner took the sand stand, excuse me, and said her skull was fractured and these fractures are consistent with a beating. And the police said, well, she had been beaten. But the defense countered and said her skull was never fractured. You have lost your mind. There's no fracture in any, there's no fracture evidence. There's no evidence of any skull fracture in any of this paperwork that you presented on this autopsy or anything like that. And I can't, I'd really like to know what the truth is because that should be easily identifiable. Either there's, there's a skull crack or, you know, <laughs> or there's not. Either it's there or it's not. I don't, I don't even know why this was up for debate. I think that's very strange. But anyway. So the prosecution says they're unhappy in their marriage. She found out that he was bisexual, if not gay, and wanted a divorce and was unhappy, la, la, la. However, the defense put up a parade of people, including his own children, neighbors, friends, and they were all like, no, they were, they were very happy together. There was no, they didn't see any animosity, which... We all know you can put up the fake front and pretend to be the Facebook happy couple, but someone somewhere, if you're not, knows. Someone knows that she calls every night crying and says, I can't take it anymore. She has said something to her mother that's, you know, I got to leave him. Someone somewhere knows something if you are indeed unhappy in your marriage. And the fact that they couldn't find anybody is very it, it undermines sort of the emma right like you're trying to say that she wanted out and it was this terrible marriage but you can't find anybody to support that and i mean even the kids i would think because the kids were teenagers if i'm not mistaken at the time right you know when your parents are i mean i knew when my parents were unhappy long before they did quite frankly i mean my brother and i used to sit around and be like why don't they get divorced already this is ridiculous um <laughs> So the fact that all the kids got up there and were like, everything's fine. I don't understand. is interesting. So back to this skull fracture. The skull fracture allegedly um, happened at the hands of a blowpipe, which is a fireplace utensil to like stoke the fire. But they never found it. The prosecution, the police, nobody ever found the alleged murder weapon. At one point, I think they said he threw it in a lake or something to that effect. But the defense team found it. They walked right up to it, had pictures, had video. It had never been touched. It was covered in cobwebs. It was covered in dust. It had never been moved. And how they were able to stumble upon it and the police weren't is a very big question mark, but that's actually what happened. So the, one of the prosecution's witnesses was a schlub. He's a North Carolina State Bureau of investigation analyst his name is Dwayne Deaver and he is or he was found to be one of the most incompetent people at the SBI he screwed up a ton of cases he falsely represented evidence in at least 34 cases that they know of he's just not very good at his job I think he said that he had written something like a hundred reports and he had written five this is not your your resume where you're applying to Google, dude. Like you're, this is a life and death situation, and you're lying about it. Anyway, he ended up getting fired. But if one of the prosecution's experts is this bad, you have to question the rest of it. I mean, so far, what what you have, even from a, if you, if you cut all the crap away, you have a woman who died. No one knows how or why. No one can tell us a motive in this. He was rich. Everybody says they were happy. The police couldn't find the murder weapon. And now we have an analyst who has falsely represented evidence in at least 34 cases. So what does the prosecution actually have at this point? They just have a dead body, in my opinion. That's it. Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Now, this is where you and I have fun. Mm -hmm. The owl theory. Yes. So a neighbor, and it was an attorney named... Um, T. Lawrence Pollard, who happened to live and next door. He wasn't, a name. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah. And so, uh, no, it's true. Cause I'm like going through all the lawyers that I know. And I'm like, it's so totally. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, 
Pollard was a neighbor. He wasn't involved in the case. He just happened to live in the same Ritchie neighborhood as Michael Peterson and his wife, Kathleen. Um, and Pollard wanted to help out because he was one of the people in the parade of there's nothing wrong with their marriage. He has no reason to kill her. He was one of those testifying. You guys are crazy. You got the wrong guy. Something's wrong. So he had been reviewing evidence because attorneys are nerds and that's what we do in our free time. And he noticed that under the evidence list, there's, it listed feather. And he was like, feather that doesn't make like why one feather like if it was your pillow it'd be more than one feather mm -hmm. you know so why why one like microscopic feather that doesn't make any sense but he recalled that in this particular um area raleigh durham rtp whatever you want to call it and not just this i mean i think there's a, there's some documented cases in new england if i'm not mistaken owls have come in and tore the crap out of people mm -hmm. um I mean, it's brutal. And so he theorized she had been attacked by an owl while she was going in from the pool. She had fallen when she was going inside, like, you know, swatting at this huge bird that's tearing her skull apart and then hit her head on the stairs and probably rolled down. So they, he also, his, his other evidence is that, um, there was a, a sliver from a tree found in a clump of hair that had been pulled out all the way from the root down that was in Kathleen's left hand. So it was kind of like she had, she had essentially ripped her own hair out. Um, which if you're getting attacked with a weapon, a blow poke, a fire poke, or whatever it is, why would you tear your own hair out? Like that's not that's not a defensive wound you know if you're putting your hands up and you're grabbing at something to, to stop you don't accidentally pull out an entire clump of your hair by the root it just doesn't happen nor would mm -hmm. you have two more microscopic owl feathers let alone a wooden sliver from a tree right so it's I mean you and I, I I know a lot of people are like owl schmal but you and I are on board with the owl theory like Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's plausible. Cool. I think yeah. so. And, so. And if it was, you know, like feather pillows aren't made out of owl feathers, last I checked. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We're not rich like they are. Maybe they do have yeah. special owl feather <laughs> Maybe. pillows. Maybe. And then again, it wouldn't be embedded in her head inside these lacerations. Right. Um, and I don't think they'd be microscopic. Now, again, right. these are Richie people pillows, but if you're having feather pillows, that implies feathers, not micro, like what good would a microscopic right. feather do for you if you're trying to fluff up a pillow? Like that seems. Yeah. And I have feather pillows and yes, they. <laughs> All right. Not fancy pants. <laughs> All right. Fancy pants. I've had it for years. <laughs> nice i inherited them i took them from my parents ah uh, there it is there's the richie component <laughs> got it got it yeah. um so pollard actually files the appeal on behalf of his neighbor but the appeal was rejected because pollard didn't actually represent him uh but anyway so pollard appeals and says look you didn't even try to bring up the owl claim you completely dismissed it you completely ignored it and i think that if someone in the jury had heard of wooden slivers from a tree and clumps of hair and microscopic owl feathers at least one person would have been like eh, i don't think maybe he did it so the eventually his actual attorney did file on that and they agreed like that that was material evidence that should have been brought forth. The original person who did the autopsy, Deborah Radish, like a rat, you know, the plant that you're thinking of, um, said she didn't believe that an owl or any other bird could have made could have made wounds as deep as those on Kathleen's scalp. However, her opinion was challenged by no fewer in three different affidavits. So three wow. people felt she was 
so completely wrong that they filed separately, not together. It's not like scientists came up together and was like, we need to file this brief and tell her she's wrong. Three different mm -hmm. people were so pissed off that they filed their own separate affidavits. Like this woman is crazy. Let me prove to you why this is the way that it is. So mm -hmm. Peterson ends up doing an Alfred plea, which for those of you who don't know, just means, look, it, the evidence against me, I can see how it would be damning. So I'm going to go ahead and take the hit, but I'm telling you, I didn't do it. You're, you're maintaining your innocence, but you're, you're, you're apparent. It's very apparent to you how the state or whomever is going to rule against you. And so he takes the Alfred plea, but this is interesting. And I didn't have an, I didn't have an answer to this. This is another uh, rabbit hole I want to dive down. His attorney files a motion to allow him to have a bird expert from the Smithsonian examine the feather fa fragments found in Kathleen's hair to determine whether or not she was attacked by a raptor type bird. And I don't know, since he had already pled, I, they may have just been like, well, he already took the hit. So why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. I personally, I would do it because I want to know and that's how I roll. But... <laughs> Like I said, you and I were on board with the owl theory completely. But here's the second twist, in my humble opinion, which may or may not mean anything. Elizabeth Ratliff. Elizabeth Ratliff was the woman, the nanny when Michael Peterson lived in Germany that died. And guess what? She fell downstairs too. And once Kathleen died, they decided to exhume Elizabeth Ratliff and be like, maybe it wasn't natural causes. So they did, in fact, change her cause of death from natural causes to homicide. <laughs> but here, here again, we have some, some unreliable evidence because police, the reports the police drew say there's almost no blood at the scene of her death, which I guess if you fall down the stairs and break your neck, no, you're not going to bleed out. Yeah, typically. Right. And if you have this sort of medical condition, and I really, um, I, I didn't go to med school, so I can't even tell you what it's called, but basically it has to do with her, uh, her heart and her lungs. Like she basically essentially got dizzy and fell down the stairs. But the woman who <coughs> found Elizabeth Ratliff says there was blood freaking everywhere. And there's a second witness that says, I spent all day cleaning blood off these walls. There was blood everywhere, everywhere. So again, if you take away the unreliable witnesses, you have a woman who originally was deemed to be, have a medical condition and therefore fell down the stairs and police noted no blood. I don't know how the police in Germany work, but I can assure you if there's blood everywhere, all the cops I know are like, oh, this is going to take forever. This sucks. Mm -hmm. I have to take pictures. I have to draw stuff. I have to write down how many gallons of blood I think are all over these walls. Like, that's not a mistake that they're going to make. They're not just going right. to be like, eh, it's not that much blood or no <laughs> blood. Like, that's right. not going to be like yeah that's like leaving out the cars in a car crash like that's kind of integral I don't think you're going to screw that part up you might no. get a name wrong or you might be a little off on your time or your day depending how much sleep you got but the amount of blood I feel like you're not going to screw that up yeah and especially so, too if there's um a staggering amount that takes an entire day to clean it off of the walls right <laughs> that's going to be really hard to miss if you are even like the slightest bit of able to do your job <laughs> like how how blind do you have to be to be like it could have been six gallons of blood it could have been six drops of blood who knows like no everybody yeah. knows like yeah. <laughs> that is that is math even I can do sir come on <laughs> so um I but at the same time I I want to know why this witness would lie why you know okay why did you spend all day cleaning up blood? Like, I don't understand how you can confuse that with something like, did you clean up another crime scene and now you're confused? Like, how is this, how, how is this not coherent? How is this not the same idea presented the first time? Right. And 
I don't trust the the postmortem exhumation sort of exam because I feel like I hate to bring it up, but in the case of Petito and Laundry, we don't know anything about how Laundry died because all we have is his skeleton, and I it, there's no soft tissue. So if he bled out because he stabbed himself in the stomach, at this point we never know. That's all soft tissue. We have no right. idea. Only if he shot himself like in the head and the bullet had shattered the skull, you know, skull fragments, something like that, we'll know. If he poisoned himself, we'll never know because all that tissue is gone. So mm -hmm. I feel like going back after the fact and exhuming this body and going, oh, just kidding, it's it's homicide. When it was ruled something, you know, that had to do with the heart and lungs, which are long gone by now, I find that very suspect. Yeah, it's it's, it's questionable at, at the very least. at best. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but he's out now. Michael Peterson is out, and I think he wrote a memoir. Mm. But again, I don't, I don't know how much of it. I don't, I don't know how much of it. I believe, I, I, but none of it makes any sense. So, right. speaking of things that don't make sense, our second case, Adnan Syed. This is the case that a lot of people learned about on. Uh, the podcast serial like this blew up because of serial i think it's, i was extra interested in it because um i actually lived down the street from adnan i had no idea in baltimore and i ran track cross country same as adnan but i was in a competing high school he went to woodlawn i went to catonsville and you know they talked about how they hung out at S security square mall that's where i hung out so I was kind of like, I, I literally knew all these places they were talking about. And so I just, it was, it was hit a little close to home to me. I was like, oh, this is not good. So adding on, as a former prosecutor, I have to know how this even got to trial because you have no evidence. There isn't a single piece of physical evidence tying this, this boy to anything. Mm -hmm. No DNA. You know, they said there was a cigarette butt, but it didn't match Adnan. They said that there was some DNA, didn't match Adnan. No fingerprints. They have somewhat unreliable cell phone towers. Like, they have nothing. Nothing. So a, a couple of, uh, I don't want to say armchair sleuths, but some medical doctors got involved in this case and said, because of, of the body lividity, which means... <laughs> The way the blood pooled after she died couldn't couldn't equate her being in the trunk of a car. The way that the the body lividity panned out was basically she was laying down somewhere for twelve hours easily. Mm -hmm. And the theory was that his friend was like, "No, he showed me he had her body in the car," which these these scientists who have no interest in this case basically that's that's not possible. Science does not support that. But if you listen to Serial, there's one point where Sarah came, I think it's Sarah Koning, I could be wrong, comes in and says, if it's not Adnan, then Adnan just had the worst day of his life. Like you happen to give somebody else your cell phone and they happen to have the keys to your car and your girlfriend happened to go missing. Like all those series of unfortunate events had to occur to make this look like you did it. Now, granted, this was before a lot of the other stuff started coming out that really stuck with me. Like, could it really be like if you look at Occam's razor, it's always the simplest, you know, simplest mm -hmm. way is the correct way. So is it more likely that a series of unfortunate events befell this poor high school track star or that he killed her? Well, logic dictates the correct answer would be he killed her. So that always really stuck with me. But Again, this was before a lot of other evidence came out. Mm -hmm. So then we have Asia McLean. So she apparently had been trying to get people's attention and saying, he couldn't have done it. He was in the library with me and no one would listen for a very long time. Then when someone did listen, she decided to write a book about it. So good friend trying to exonerate another friend or... No one can contradict me and I can make a large sum of money off this. Mm -hmm. Just saying. So you might remember a while ago, 
two of the two people involved with this case, and I can't remember who they are, or how they were involved, were on a show with Nancy Grace and Dan Abrams. And because I'm so heavily invested in this case, so to speak, I couldn't even watch the show. Like, I didn't want to know if there was a possibility that I, that he had done it. Like, I, and I was just like, he couldn't have. He couldn't have. And so I told you, I was like, I can't even approach my bias on this one. Like, I can't even watch the show <laughs> that might suggest that he actually did it. And so um, I don't, I think... I know we're going to get to making of a murderer, but I feel like we're in the same boat here that if you take away a lot of the if, ands, or buts, there's nothing there. There's no reason this poor man should be behind. Maybe he did it, but I don't, I fail to see the evidence that supports that. Right. And again, that's part of being on a jury is convicting beyond reasonable doubt. And if there's reasonable doubt and you know, a lack of evidence, you have to, you know, go in not guilty <laughs> yeah. as, as your duty. Like you, that's, that's even though it sucks, even if you know, like this has to be the guy, but there's enough reasonable doubt is, you know, it's <laughs> all the time. And like, yeah. I, honestly, as a prosecutor, if I had told my boss that I was taking this to trial, I'm sure she would have fired me on the spot. Like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with you? You have zero evidence. You barely have a motive. What mm-hmm. are you doing up there? Yeah. But somehow, it, it not only did he go to trial, he got convicted. And like, the other part that bothers me is that the victim's family is convinced that they have the right guy. Adnan did it. No doubt in their mind. No room mm-hmm. for error. That's it. But again, I've never had a family member murdered, I want to say. Mm-hmm. so I don't know what that's like I don't know but it always interests me when there are when there's proof of something and people are in so great denial about it mm-hmm. and it sometimes it really bothers me I remember watching a show where uh, a private investigator had been hired to find out what really happened like did their family member commit this atrocious crime or, or was it impossible Mm-hmm. And basically the private investor came back and said, oh yeah, your boy did it. And they were flat out, you know, here's how I know he did it here. You know, this, that, this, that, here's all the evidence. Your boy did it. Mm-hmm. And the family, the family, well, not all of them, but I'll speak generally. <clears throat> the family members get very upset. There's no way you're wrong. I just know you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And it drives me insane. Maybe because I'm a lawyer and I'm thinking if someone comes to me with that much evidence, I would gladly be like, your ass is rotten in jail. See ya. Yeah. Like you ain't yeah. here for me no more. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't, I understand that's a natural reaction, but it's still annoying to me <laughs> because I feel like it, it's just not there to me. It's, and mm-hmm. I think the part that really cinched it for me was Adnan ran cross country, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. and he was recalling details of his day to an officer or somebody. And he was talking about track practice and how that particular day was the only day that he could run practice because it had rained the day before and the day after. Mm-hmm. And so he remembers I, that was the only day of the week I had practice because there was no, there was no way we could do it because cross country right. is outside. And so he was like, that was the only day it didn't rain. So, of course, the people investigating his case, Robia Chaudhary and the others, go back. And sure enough, there is only one day where there was no rain in Baltimore, Maryland, that whole week. Like that, he had to have been telling, who remembers when it rains and when it doesn't? Like, unless you have something like that, like, you don't care. And it happened to be true. It was the day that there was no rain. And so for me, I was like, for him to know that, mm-hmm. there's just no way. There's just no way. I mean, I could be wrong, I, you know, but yeah, that really stuck out to me. I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not buying right. it. But yeah, so it's so frustrating. <laughs> it really is. That might Wait. be another one. Where I might yeah. just take a list up and be like, all right, God, which one of these do <laughs> we get any of these right? Yeah, that's another thing. It makes you think of just other cases that I've seen where 
people just get railroaded. There's one that I'll never forget. It's this case of this. It was based, they arrested the guy based off of an eyewitness testimony of, I think it would have been, I think she was, she's between like five and seven years old. His niece who was staying with his mother-in-law said it looked like Uncle Clarence, the guy who. Oh, I remember that case. Yes. And it, and it wasn't him and it was the neighbor. And, and there was so much evidence and then it took them forever. Oh yeah. Several years. Yeah. And then they didn't want to give him a retrial. (laughs) Yeah. It's just kind of like. The one where she was talking about his earring. Maybe. But she was like talking about a quarter and somehow they had turned that into. Yes. Oh, he's wearing jewelry. And I was like, how did you get there? Yes. And again, the the family had turned her against her aunt and just all of this stuff. Like she, the, his now ex-wife was convinced like he didn't do this. Like, I know that he didn't do it. We have all this Mm -hmm. other evidence. And then, and then the next door. And of course, like a kid, it's dark, you know, something bad is going on. And this person resembles this relative and she said it she didn't say it was uncle clarence it looked like he looked like uncle clarence if it was her uncle clarence she wouldn't have said that to begin with and then they kind of pressured her to cheat or yeah just, yeah that whole that whole thing like well they had um <laughs> Still when i was mad. in law school we went and watched something by the innocence project it was basically this <laughs> woman and this guy that she had falsely accused of raping her and long 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 story short they had a a police sketch you know do the the artist rendering drawing of Mm -hmm. suspect and she was like yeah that looks like him and it does look like him but it wasn't him right and so but the woman made a really good point because she was like I guarantee you if you had a sketch artist and you tried to tell them to get them to draw your mother's face they might come close but they're not going to, you, you, there's just no way for you to express properly what your mother looks like to mm-hmm. a police sketch artist that they are going to nail it. They're going to get close, yeah. but they're not going to get it. Yeah. I was like, she's exactly. right, man. Like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even yeah. think of the, like, I don't know what kind of mom eyes my mom has. Like, are they wide? Are they narrow? Are they, mm-hmm. I don't flip and know. Like, those aren't details that I store away for later. So, right. I, I don't, <laughs> you know. Let alone for a stranger. (laughs) I know, right? Speaking of law school, um, the next case that I chose was Michael Crow. And a lot of people probably may not have heard it. There was a movie based on it. um, And it has his name in it, but I don't remember what it was. So anyway, I had to watch this, which is essentially how the police railroaded these three young boys into falsely confessing to murdering Michael Crow's sister. And not that is infuriating in and of itself. But if you watch the movie, you get to see all the weird tactics that the state can use to convict somebody. Now, I was too reasonable to be a prosecutor, but even though I tried for like six years, (laughs) but while it's valid, there's some things that you can do and things that you should do. And those aren't always the same. So, in any rate, in this particular case, the police lied to the teenage boys about the evidence, which is not unheard of. Police are allowed to do that, and they do it often. That's police work. What are you going to do about it? But they sort of crossed the line because we have three teenage boys who are being lied to, interrogated for 10, 12, I mean, just endless hours, no attorney, no parent. They are locked in this room, deprived of sleep, food, just hounded until they get some kind of confession. And I will tell you that Michael Crow's confession is actually the police saying, well, what if you had slept walk? And mm-hmm. the whole time, Michael's like, I would never kill my sister. Yeah. Well, let's pretend you were sleepwalking. If you were sleepwalking and you wanted to kill your sister, how would you do it? He's like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, come on, just go mm-hmm. with us on this one and basically make him make up a story that would never happen. That didn't happen right. to get this confession, which isn't even a confession. It's horrific. It is 
It makes me sick to my stomach. The actual killer was found through DNA. Halfway through their trial, the sister's bloods found on a mentally ill, transient, homeless person who had been the subject of two neighbor 911 calls before the killing. Two other neighbors had called him and been like, there's a weird guy wandering the streets. You guys should come handle this. And they didn't. And instead, they framed the little brother. So Michael Crow's family ends up settling with the state. They get $7.25 million. But I think I can speak for the Crow family when I say that. You harassed, intimidated, terrified, tortured these three teenage boys because you didn't do your job properly. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he had killed anyone else before or after. You couldn't even properly test the DNA fast enough before these kids had to go to trial. Right. you. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Thank you yeah. for that. All right. So back to making of a murderer. You and I talk about this. We talk yes. about it a lot. Yep. So this is another one where we agreed that maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't. Ain't no way you got enough evidence to prove it. Just ain't right. no way. Yeah. We know the, the nephew, Brandon, um, clearly mentally deficient, clearly coerced, had yeah. no business being interrogated alone with a police detective, without a parent, without, mm-hmm. you know, anybody. I mean, not even a school administrator. Like, they just, right. they cornered him. And that poor yeah. kid did not know what else to do. Yeah, he and, was, what, 16? Mm-hmm. At the time. And I believe they said he was, like, mentally he was like 11 if i'm not mistaken yeah something much younger right so one of the things that you and i talked about for making a murderer was how unusual we found it that one of the um helpers i don't know what you want to call them managed to walk into what was it an 800 acre Uh, junkyard immediately stumble upon the car like, yes. What are the odds? Yes. Let's let's do the math on that. What are the odds? And somebody was it wasn't that person also somehow related to Teresa? I think so. Yeah. And and again, found it within minutes, and was just like, yeah, it's it's, I mean, it's here, and all but walked right up on it immediately. Yeah. 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 No. No. And then there really were all weird. these these strange allegations. Um, whether or not pornography and handcuffs and kinky sex, which mean nothing, quite frankly. I mean, just because y'all don't say it out loud doesn't mean y'all don't have kinks. I'm just saying. (laughs) So she said that he gave her the creeps. That could be. I have no issue with that. Could be. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make him a murderer. There was a guy today that came up to me in Walmart. We were behind him picking up medicine and he was just kind of like hey you know waving at my daughter whatever being friendly Mm -hmm. no big deal was not alarmed in any way didn't think he was going to kidnap her molest her or anything like just just a dude in walmart Mm -hmm. we get out to the parking lot and he comes up to me and ellie's getting in the car and he was like hey i have a question and i'm like okay and he's like my granddaughter is about the same size as your daughter can you tell me what size she is so I can get her a Christmas dress? I was like, yeah, sure. No biggie. Again, did not feel like mm-hmm. he secretly undressing Ellie with his eyes or whatever. Right. But is it possible that someone else would feel differently? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, depending on your life, you could absolutely be like, creepy old dude, get away from my car. Like, he could have been mate. Yeah. Now, I live in the middle of nowhere, so everybody here is very nice. There's, like, zero crime. Um, mm-hmm. Although, apparently, this year, there was a lot of stealing of, of Halloween decorations and candy bowls. <laughs> but <laughs> virtually no crime. So Any I, crime, I yeah. <laughs> but if I lived in a more hefty crimes, you know, situation city, Mm-hmm. I, maybe I would have maced him. Maybe I would have been like, you're gross. Stay away from me. So did he creep her out? Maybe. Does it make him a murderer? Nope. And we have the pictures of the slippers that come and go. They weren't there. Was it the slippers and the car keys? Not yes. in one picture. Magically appear in another. Yeah. Come on. And I so, think 
um, on the second season too, I think they did something with the blood evidence where there were spots that were missed. I might be mixing that up with another case, but I, I feel like I there was something. Either, yeah, there's just so much. <laughs> They had mentioned something about like someone. It had gotten out that it was a, it was sweat DNA on her car back. Yes, that. But, but you can't prove it. DNA. You can't say that this molecule came from this part of the body. Like that's not how DNA works. Yeah, it can be sweat, but it can also be spit or blood or, you know, whatever hair. Yeah, has DNA on it. So. I believe if I remember correctly, and again, dicey, he, her, her battery had died, had it not? And he was like, going to fix it. I think so. Something weird. Yeah. But the one for me that really just was the bottle, the vial of blood that had the hole in the top. Yes. Yes. And, and had there been evidence that it was frozen and then thawed and then refrozen or something weird like that too. But that bothers me. That wasn't even subtle. Like you're not even pretending to cover your tracks at this point. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm just gonna take this blood out of here. It's good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No one's gonna know. Yeah. Come on. Come on. So again, if you and if you look at the evidence, I really don't see how you couldn't have reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, and in fact, the new theory, which I believe you and I subscribe to, is that. Um, it was the other nephew, I think it was, the one that was like going the wrong way in the truck. And yeah. it was very suspicious. He was suspicious. The whole thing was very strange, but I, I believe that was, you know, that was the only one that made more sense. I just can't believe that someone would, would I mean, sit through that case and be like, oh yeah, you got him dead to rights. Mm-hmm. He says he threw kittens into a fire, rotten hell for that my friend yeah, absolutely all day every day and yes people who show ill will towards animals are more likely to be psychopathic serial killers all day you betcha mm-hmm. but that i feel like that doesn't apply here because this is the only thing that this is the only sort of psychopathic tendency he's shown and he is older in age if that was a key indicator and he should be a psychopathic serial killer, something mm-hmm. should have happened long before his fifties. Yeah. Especially because like the other case was like in his twenties or something. Yeah. And he jumped on the hood of his car or whatever. You yeah. mean to tell me that a psychopathic serial killer did nothing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying that for a minute. Right. Nope. Yeah. Mm-mm. gonna go that dormant for that long <laughs> i mean i've heard that they take breaks and they pause sometimes or mm-hmm. you know life i think that happened with btk right but i but not 30 years but he, and, and he, so he doesn't he throws kittens in the fire again burning hell for that but then he has this weird you know what do you want to call it like a fray charge if you want in his like 20s and then no mm-hmm. violence for two decades, like no violence, not a bar fight, not the, not assault, not pretend, not threatening anybody. This man lives his yeah. life in peace for decades, and I really find it hard to believe that if if he's the psychopath that everyone's setting him up to be, that there would be that level of like. There's nothing. There's no petty crime. There's no misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I I just I, thank you for putting kitties in the fire, but. <laughs> I don't I I don't think I don't think those things correlate in the way that other people want them to. Yeah. There would be more than one cat incident, for example. Right. There would likely be weapons charges somewhere, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. You know, but we got nothing. Not right. not even like a parking ticket for two decades. Come on. You can't yeah. call him a psychopathic you know monster and that's all you have granted right. it's a good piece and i i you tell me someone or interesting i'm all like yeah I die but 
I'm not with it on this one. I'm just not. I think there's too much reasonable doubt. And the fact mm-hmm. that the entire department resigned after this movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> Could it tells you a little something. Right? I mean, it's one thing if some of the, the bad apples had been called out in the film and they were asked to resign. But the fact that it was such a trickle down waterfall up, if I'm going down, I'm taking everybody with me. Yeah. Like that there was that much corruption and dirt is just astonishing. And it makes me sad because I have to wonder who else that mm-hmm. didn't have a film crew come look at their case is sitting in Wisconsin jail right now, mm-hmm. or prison right now, going, yep, that happened to me and nobody cares. Yeah. Just, mm-mm. okay. So, yeah. The case that haunts you. Yes. So I had originally seen this case on an episode of Forensic Files. Mm-hmm. And I had interpreted it as they the case was solved. Only did I find out years later reading a post on Reddit that it was never officially solved. I think at the time there was a conviction but not for murder. Um, So the victim's name is Melissa Brannon. She was five years old and on December 3rd, 1989, disappeared from a holiday party at her apartment complex. I think she had gone back inside to get some more chips or something. And then- Yeah, that's what I think Wikipedia said. She went back in to get a bag of chips from the Christmas party. Yep. And she lived in that complex with her with her mom and who was a single mom. And it was just really, she's kind of close in age to me. So I remember just and and seeing the picture of the Sesame Street big bird dress that she was wearing. And I was fascinated with the fact that they were able, just how the, the search that they had to go through to because it was a limited run holiday special dress and so they had to if i'm not mistaken they had to reach out to all of the local sears as well as like catalog orders and things like that to see if people still had that dress because it had a very specific dye and fibers from that dress were found on the seat of his car and of uh, the crown, the groundskeeper's car. And, you know, they, they suspect that he was the one that had done it. And he had subsequently been charged with, uh, what was the exact? It was like enticing. Yeah. Yeah. Kidnapping with intent to defile. I kidnapping is a prelude to sexual assault as yeah, the fibers Ew. that were found under his seat. She was wearing a coat at the time that she disappeared. So the fibers from her dress shouldn't have transferred to his seat if she was still in her coat. So well, they were saying, he, was, why would you take your coat off? What, what state was it in? I want to say, is it North Carolina? Uh, Virginia. It's in Lord, That's right. Virginia. And so, yeah, they said it was... It was Christmas in Virginia, so there was no reason that a five-year-old girl should have taken her coat off, was, right. the, was the reasoning behind that. Yes. And that's yeah. correct. Yep. And so, you know, there were about 100 guests at the party, and as soon as, you know, Melissa's mom, Tammy, went searching for her, couldn't find her, and they managed to mobilize 300 volunteers to search for her. Her body has never been found. And it's now 31, almost 32 years later. And it just, it really, I don't know why it just always really stuck with me that, you know, they never found her. And just thinking of, you know, being a five-year-old at a holiday party or Christmas party and you know how much fun I remember gosh how exciting these kinds of events were especially at that age and you know 
that being your last night just to have something horrific happen. And the the wife of the groundskeeper had said that there was that he had blood on his clothes, I think. And so there were parts of his had, sneakers um, were cut. That's right. Parts yeah, of yeah he had cut out the soles of the sneakers uh, yes. and put all, all the clothes, including his shoes without the soles, in yes. the washing machine. Yep. And he had That's also it. been later later than normal is what she said. And yes. he said, I went to go buy a six pack. It's the holidays. I took the scenic route home. Right. But um, he couldn't explain one, why he had taken the scenic route home if he had. But two, at this particular time in Virginia, you were unable to buy alcohol at after midnight. Right. So he is alleging that at 1230 in the morning, he was able to find a liquor store that would illegally sell him beer. And then instead of going straight home because you illegally purchased beer, you decided, I'm going to take the long way home. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. buddy. Yeah. And it, it just makes me sad that we don't know what really happened to her and where she ended up and well and he can never say that's right. the thing and this is one of those things that you have to this is a game you have to play when you're in the court system which mm-hmm. is do i get you on this so that i've got you on something right or do i go for the murder charge do i go for the crown jewel what do yeah. i have what can i do and there's no statute of limitations on murder but if you convict him on murder right and he gets out like let's say he only does 20 years whatever mm-hmm. and he gets out he can literally walk out of jail and be like yep i did it and there's nothing you can do about it right and so i think in this case the the prosecution made made the smart choice which was i'll get mm-hmm. you on what i can because right. if her body does ever show up mm-hmm. i'm coming at you with it all and you are yep. going down but i don't yeah. I, I think that they were smart to not hang their hat on that right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's very strange that her body has not been found in all this time. Yeah. They even dredged a nearby lake. There was some red fabric. I think some utility worker had spotted yeah. a nearby lake. They dredged the lake and still, still nothing. And it's just, you know, as a mom just never knowing what happened and this might never... be in sense when I don't want to know that right exactly right at the yeah just uh, even yeah I just hate not at least having some kind of closure but again well know, it's so the mom kept yeah. her so she remarried and had a bunch of other yes. kids but she said I kept my maiden name or whatever that married name so that Mm -hmm. if my daughter ever turned up she could look me up and find me because I would have that name anywhere else yeah and I was like can you imagine having to live your life with that like you said there's no closure having to live your Mm -hmm. life with that door always having to have it always open just in case yeah and you can't and closing it means you're giving up to a certain Mm -hmm. extent Mm -hmm. I can't I can't even fathom. Yeah. And yeah. And then on top of everything else, two men who were not connected to the case whatsoever extorted or attempted to extort $75,000 as a ransom. I'm trying to understand that. Who were they extorting it from? And, and from, from my, it seemed that it was from the mom. And, but I don't know exactly why that was not that was a piece I didn't really know because most of my knowledge came from the forensic files episode that I had seen forever ago. But the other crappy thing is that the person who the groundskeeper who was convicted of her kidnapping is now out of prison as of 2019. Yeah. And again, that's why you got to play these these games, Mm -hmm. because there is a possibility this person will get out. And if they do, 
what do you have left to to gain from that like right. if I'm the prosecutor and you're out maybe I want to have investigators visit you every single day until you crack but yeah. I don't I, I still think they did the right thing to not go forward with the murder mm-hmm. charge that they could have that later um, and God help him if that body ever shows up I assure yeah. you <laughs> there will be a ticker tape parade inside that prosecution office oh we yeah. got him Absolutely. he's going away Absolutely. Yeah. and he should no yeah. doubt about it yeah he served uh 29 out of the 54 year sentence which you know quite frankly not to to disappoint all of our listeners or you but <laughs> on average people only served one serve one third of the sentence that they're given in court so he did more than that so mm-hmm. i guess we'll be good about that and i mean technically yeah he's gross and he probably did it but again you still can't prove it right at this point yep i mean i'm with you i think he flipped there was no need for her dress to be in his car or for him mm-hmm. to be washing a bunch of bloody clothes late at night yeah. right. no there's no other a lot of, there's, yeah. yeah there's no yes. i'm not buying it and yeah not. and again they also found rabbit hairs in the car as well mm-hmm. and her mom had a very unique rabbit hair coat right. so again that's just even more connections but still the, the no fibers yeah exactly the fibers from the dress had i believe i'm not mistaken the dye lot from those fibers were unique and only used for that dress and well and don't forget the people yeah. the women at the party said he was gross like yes. he was being lewd to and inappropriate to just about anything that had two legs and and chromosomes like he was yes yeah and life pro tip if you're going to be a perv maybe don't do it publicly so much so that everyone <laughs> recognizes you as the perv that you are just right. saying yes and yeah and they had the also you know remarked- better yeah, <laughs> and and the women had also remarked too that he had had taken interest. Oh in yeah, a lot special of the children, interest especially in the kids. Her. Yeah. yeah, that was which okay. If you're pretending to be Santa Claus, that's one thing. Yeah, but if you're being a perv and being <laughs> and being extra interested in kids, right? Separate issue altogether. And I, yeah. I, it was, it sounded like to me what little bit that I read about this, the wife thinks he did it too. It yes. sounded like to me, like that was the impression I got that she was like, yeah. oh, he did it. Yeah. Which is a nice turn from everybody else that is like, yeah. I don't care about your 11 sheets right. of evidence. He didn't do it. <laughs> never. But again, yeah. I've never been in that situation, but I'd like to think that my lawyer rational side would be like. I remember when OJ mm-hmm. got arrested and everybody was up in arms. That was huge, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember asking him, why, why does everybody care that, that you know, OJ got arrested for allegedly, but really doing, murdering his wife? And mm-hmm. my mom was like, what would you do if someone told you that Troy Aikman uh, murdered his wife? Would you believe it? And I'm like, probably. Yeah. And she's like, you would not, because I, I am a I am a sports fanatic. And he was Troy Aikman at the time, huge. Oh, yeah. Dallas Cowboys quarterback, big name. Yep. Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, if someone came to me and was like, we have his ex-wife stabbed to death, we think it's him. Why wouldn't I think that? And right. of course, she's like, you don't understand. You know, he's a local <laughs> hero. People love him. They can't believe it. And I'm like, I I fail to now, granted. I wasn't a lawyer at the time, but I was still like, I fail to see why that makes him less mm-hmm. of a murderer. I don't exactly. understand. And my mom just couldn't get through to me. Like she did not yeah. believe that, that, you know, I, I didn't care about sports heroes so much that I would, mm-hmm. I would deny that he would do something mm-hmm. so horrible. And right. to this day, I mean, like I said, I've never been in that situation. And there's a good possibility if you told me like Brian was a sillier killer, I'd be like, are you sure? But yeah. he doesn't even like cleaning up vomit. I'm pretty sure he's not going to reply. Are you sure? Yeah. But I'd like to think if you were like, 
here's photos of him stabbing several women. I'd be like, okay, yes. peace out. All right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, that's a kind of the same thing. It's funny that you talk about, you know, people being all upset about OJ and stuff. I, Kyle and I were talking earlier about just the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing. And mm. I don't care what celebrity gets taken down or politician or you know, rich person in this country or outside nope. of this country that gets taken down. I really don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Because if you are harming children and actively participating in, you know, sex trafficking, I <laughs> don't give a shit who it is. It could be my absolute favorite actor of all time. And I would just mm-hmm. be like, well, see you. Yep. Goodbye. <laughs> yep. Cut that, cut that right out of my life right here, right now. Exactly. Because again, you don't deserve to be protected just because you're famous, just because you're entertaining and make great movies. And I definitely think that if you are trafficking children, riding the, the Lolita Express, <sighs> um, burning yeah. hell. Yeah. There are easy things you can do to stop sex trafficking wherever yes. you are. Any signs that say get paid to travel, sex trafficking. The Mm -hmm. other thing you can do is if you check into a motel, take a picture of it and put it on what's called the bedpost. I think it's the bedpost.com. And basically these people can look through pictures of traffic girls and see if that room pops up and they'll, you know, that you'll know your location. So you're going to be like, I'm checked into the Ramada. I am room, you know, three, six, it doesn't go, it doesn't get broadcast. So no one's going to break in, but you can be like, I'm in the Ramada in, Austin, Texas, room mm-hmm. 136, this is what it looks like. Yep. And they'll take that photo and they'll compare it to all these other photos that they have of all these women who are trafficked and be like, yeah. hey, something happened in that room. We, we, we can go to the Ramada in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas and, and figure out, you know, pull, start pulling tapes, stuff yeah. like that. So if you're listening, yeah. there's actually a lot you can do, especially if you live near a major highway or interstate mm-hmm. route just keep your eyes open you'll be surprised um unfortunately yeah. how not subtle it really is yeah it's always just right under our noses and it's so yes if you live along a major highway route interstate you see those signs don't hang out in truck stops but it does happen there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah and do the bedpost thing because that's that's probably the the least amount of effort on your part to stop sex trafficking so mm-hmm. And just briefly, the case that always haunted me was Lisa Irwin. And she was the, the 11 month old out of, that went, Missouri, went missing out of Missouri. Hmm. And the reason it stuck with me is because she had the same onesie as, as my daughter. And I was horrified that this little girl had the same onesie as my daughter, but had gone missing. And her parents were apparently drunk and no one knows what actually happened like there, no one's timeline matches up. Everybody's wasted. Like nobody knows what's going on in this. Port, but the kid's gone. I mean, what, yeah. it was like 2014, I think, when she went missing. I want to say 2011. 2011. So, yeah. And you know, our kids were born in 2010. And so, yeah, she had the same onesie as my kid, and I was like, holy crap. Yeah. But, you know, then then we find out everybody's wasted and there's a window open. Nobody knows what happened. But so that's why, like when you were talking about the Melissa Brannon case, sometimes that stuff happens where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like it just hits you. It yeah. just hits you. That concludes this episode of Bedlam Bodies in the Bazaar. Thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next episode. For more information about what we have discussed on Bedlam Bodies in the Bazaar, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at BedBodBizPod or visit our website at BedBodBizPod.com. That's B-E-D-B-O-D-B-I-C-P-O-D. If you'd like to leave some feedback or have a suggestion for a future episode, please email us at bedbodbizpod at gmail.com. Take care, be kind, and keep seeking the truth. Bye!
Don't 